0: To JR Out Loud, the podcast of Jewish Renaissance. My name is Judy Herman and it's a great delight and joy for me to welcome Avatar Raz, filmmaker, singer, musician, storyteller. Um, what else would you like me to say, Avatar, to introduce? Theatre maker? Theatre maker, maybe that should be top of all that Because I mean, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got My Jerusalem, your film, your Jewish in the documentary. Can't wait to talk to you.
1: Thank you very much. It's a
2: pleasure. My Jerusalem. We have shed enough tears to
0: flood all Jerusalem Abadal, it's an absolute joy to see you again. Um, we, years ago you came to Northwood and Pin a Liberal Synagogue as it was then, now the Ark. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm still in contact
1: with with Aaron.
0: Our rabbi, our mutual friend.
1: Yeah. I think I came to Yom Kippur and did a a space service. It was either last year or the year Mm. before that, but it was online.
0: As we so often are. Where are you actually now, physically? I'm in Sheffield. You are in Sheffield. What a lovely place to be. We're here to talk about, actually, both films. I did watch Your Jerusalem. Uh, okay. I mean, the biggest surprise, obviously, was to see Aaron popping up, Rabbi Aaron. Uh, yeah. I would say to everybody, watch both films. I'm not quite sure what order I would say. What if you wanted people to watch both films? Which order would you like them to watch them in? I think I think the show first. Mm-hmm. So we did I it. Think right. so. Good. It was yeah. just- Right. last night, I just suddenly felt I could see I had a link to it, and I thought right, very interesting. It throws a lot of light on it from a lot of people, a lot of opinions um so first of all, we should probably nail what we think about my Jerusalem, and then we can okay. talk about the people who appear talking about it, including your amazing parents, which I must talk about <laughs> so it is beautiful and brutal the Thank you. I, I suppose <laughs> I would say, I mean, I printed up the words of the song Edinburgh Surprise, and the more I look at them, the more I see the beauty, not the brutality, in a very strange way. And they make me cry. So, oh, that's time, really lovely to hear. Thank you. Well, I wonder if we should start. That seems to have been the jumping off point for my Jerusalem, anyway, in a way, isn't it? Do you think?
1: That yeah, of, the song okay. existed for about seven years before the show.
0: Exactly. So, do, do, should we just talk about that? I would say to people, listen to it. Don't listen to it with young children um, and yeah. don't be shocked. You know, I give a warning, it's sexually explicit, but it becomes more beautiful and you get past that. I mean, every time you hear it, I've now heard it several times, and there's a film with it that's is really beautiful as well. So all that stuff, we have to say there's nudity, we have to say there's sex and all the rest of it, but the beauty is there. And all the things I just said are part of that beauty in my opinion now. So tell me first about that. That really was this genuine encounter on the streets of Edinburgh. You know, it sounds like a stick of rock, the Edinburgh surprise, does not it?
1: My my official answer is that it's all made up.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: That's the official word anyway.
0: Is that why you've got this sort of slightly um, beautifully, not blurry film, but it's sort of misty film of the encounter, and sometimes it's you, but there's a sort of blonde woman in it.
1: Right. I was actually walking around Edinburgh with a camera and just taking whatever I could find, and the only reason that blonde woman got in was because there was something a bit dodgy going on there. She was very drunk and uh, and And someone seemed to be taking advantage of her, ah. um, and I did actually ask her if she was all right. um but yeah, so i I sort of blurted out so you couldn't actually see who it was, but yeah, it was just from me walking around with the camera late at night in in the party scene in Edinburgh.
0: But then you were quite brave because you do actually have footage of you lying apparently after this sexual encounter. With uh, well, what, what are we going to say? Do you want them to be sp- people to be surprised or are we going to say that w- what he um, he's obviously says, does he say he's actually a Muslim? He says that anyway, doesn't he he's half Jewish, half Muslim, I think he says.
1: yeah, no, I meant for that to be kind of a made up story because he says he he grew up in Morocco, Morocco. and he's half Jewish and half Muslim, mm-hmm. but in
0: fact, in fact he's Palestinian. Yes, and I mean I think that's the Edinburgh surprise, isn't it? Actually, yeah. But then you have this brave footage of you lying there and thinking about it and what's happened. And you know, you know, it is a sexual encounter. There's this, what's that wonderful line about occupation? I love that line. He, he entered me quite quickly. I'm daring to say it, and I enjoyed the occupation. I mean, it's sort of almost funny. But what really brings you together? those last two lines or there's a lot of lines in the middle he said maybe one day we'll all be free do you think so that's you replying that's why i started tearing up a bit and then at the end you go for a walk hand in hand He walks you home and i usually you tell me the last two lines it doesn't should not be me saying them all the time what are those two beautiful lines that you ended with
1: as he walked me home we were silent we were walking hand in hand and we both felt a sweet sadness thinking about our common land.
0: Yeah, that really, to me, is a jumping off point for the other film, I think. But all mm. all the, the sorrow and misery that, that's happened, you call it my Jerusalem, but it could have been called my Israel Palestine, I suppose. I mean, Jerusalem's at the heart of it, but I, I think we've all lived with this sort of dichotomy of pride and shame as, as Jews. That's how I feel anyway. Um, yeah. For, for all the time I can remember, I mean, just to tell you that I, you know, I've done quite a lot of BBC um, recordings from there, and I can remember one particular day wanting to record the sounds of Jerusalem and they were completely to me summed up. I walked down the street, I heard church bells, then I heard, I think, Luezin, and I also walked past um, a, a hater, you know, and I could see what bo- uh, that is—a religious school, and there were boys inside, davening—that is, praying and chanting. And overhead, I could see helicopters, and those obviously were army helicopters. And I thought, wow, this is such a tense place. And I, yeah. really almost never got past feeling tense in Jerusalem.
1: I never got past it either, and I—I I grew up there. But yeah, it—it it is a really, um. I mean, this is just a side note. My mother had her 70th birthday on Wednesday night and oh. in Jerusalem. And, and I was watching it on Zoom. And they were in some courtyard of um, the Nature Museum. And at some point, the landlady started shouting at them and cursing them and, and saying that they had no, that they shouldn't be there. And, and actually closed the gate on my sister's hand. And I was saying how that would never happened in this country and my sister said well it's always happening in 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 israel because people are are a bit on edge all the time so aggression is a really quick response to that
0: yeah you say the landlady do you mean the person who let out the place to them what
1: It was a bit of a, the the landlady was lending it out to the synagogue uh, where my mother works, uh, volunteers, and then they told her that she could use it, uh, but it was, I mean, maybe they didn't have exactly the right permission, but she was really awful and, you know, calling them garbage and everything, you know.
0: So that, um, it goes on, it goes on. And what, is, is she an, an Arab citizen of the State of Israel? Was she or
1: not? No, no, she's a Jewish woman. My point is was just that that um, the people are very on edge over there and tense, and it's really easy to, um, to get into aggressive, like my sister was saying how, especially now when it's, you know, post the the very recent war and everyone's um, even more tense than usual that people just become aggressive really quickly, that it's sort of uh,
0: just under the surface. And do you find it a tiny bit easier somewhere like Tel Aviv or perhaps Haifa? Or is it, it's getting worse there as well, I gather.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Tel Aviv is a bit of a bubble of secular Jewish people. Um, So uh, it feels a bit like, almost like a city in Europe, but then you know that the Gaza Strip is 40 minutes a drive away, which makes it a bit weird. And I've never lived in Haifa. I I spent a little bit of time there. I went on holiday once and and I was really, I loved it actually, um, Mm -hmm. because we were there during Christmas time and there were all these sort of um, middle-class Palestinian families out, Mm. celebrating and having dinner in restaurants and uh and it just seemed like a very kind of sane place at the time um but my sister is a a lecturer at Haifa University she teaches um, English literature and she said that since the recent clashes um that there it's been much more tense um that she felt fine there before and now she doesn't
0: it's interesting that you should say that because I still feel from watching my Jerusalem and indeed your Jerusalem but particularly my Jerusalem that perhaps it explains why all that happened when it happened and it was waiting for us a, a match to light that fire this time round. It's just got worse and worse. So it, it's just one of those things, isn't it, that it, you keep hearing these things. I don't know how you feel but when I hear anything about you know the occupied territories, like oh, the Palestinians there aren't being given the vaccine or something. I I go into a massive guilt trip straight away, and and I just I do always feel that slight like yeah. guilt. And that's despite my children. I've spent time in Israel. My children both did shnat, which is the year there. They went to Latana, mm-hmm. lovely inclusive kibbutz, you know, that's very um, green and all the rest of it. But yeah, you know, I still. it's always there isn't it which is what obviously the film is about so do you feel that your film is sort of almost predicting all this in some way it's part of the story isn't it
1: well it's it's predicting that that there's a sort of unending cycle that it doesn't seem to to find any solution anytime soon but I guess what I was trying to say, you know, bringing in the, the children's choir conductor yeah. who's a Holocaust survivor and a paedophile.
0: Um, <laughs> That's a very different th- mix, isn't it? To be a <laughs> survivor and a paedophile, yes, quite.
1: Yeah, well, and- he was kind of using the, the his experiences in the Holocaust as, you know, not nobody suspected him because especially when I grew up in the 80s, you know, it was a, it was almost um you couldn't touch you couldn't talk about it first of all um like my grandmother is a survivor and actually my next show is about her oh, um what? but she she wouldn't talk about it um it was just this big huge taboo that nobody ever mentioned mm-hmm. and then uh the conductor he so i guess i was trying to show how that is often used as as a kind of excuse to behave badly and you know if we think of ourselves as victims all the time then how can we be aggressors because we're busy being victims but uh, so I guess I wanted to show that we're both and I find in this when I came to this country I was very involved in Palestine solidarity events Um, and I performed in various uh, medical aid for Gaza fundraisers and so first i got a lot of backlash from jews especially in, in manchester i got lots of messages telling me that I, for a particular event it was a fundraiser for children in gaza and and i got letters saying that i'm betraying my family that my family's ashamed of me that i'm betraying my people um all kinds of stuff like that so i i felt like you know that that and then on the other side i got criticized someone wrote a letter to a festival I performed in well that's in the documentary actually yes, yes. Um, but she also talks about how many I didn't put this in the documentary because there just wasn't time about how manipulative it is that I start the show in a holocaust memorial museum as if to show that Jews are eternal victims so um, what I mean is that I think in this country um, not Jewish people but people on the left that are involved in criticizing Israel, if you do mention the Holocaust to them, the reaction I get is sort of like, stop whining about that that happened 70 years ago, you know. Um, I've even been told this was in Berlin, I performed and and this woman said, you're the Nazis now. Um, so I felt like I want to to give both sides that, yes, Israel, I, I'm very critical of it. I'm very critical of not only its behavior, but I feel like the whole society is very much influenced by religion and the military. And sometimes they come together. Like last time I, I lived in Israel, there was a big, um, I think it was the Grapes of Wrath, one of those... Uh,
0: um, but There's there were a, a name for a military operation, operation. yeah well, a military operation yeah yeah
1: mm. um, and there were a bunch of rabbis that were encouraging soldiers to behave re- like beyond their duty um and they did horrible humiliating things to palestinians and they were using scripture as you know a reason for them to do that so yeah a lot of things like that i feel um very alienated and and I I left I mean I I left Israel but at the same time I I still have a lot of love for it and a lot of love for people over there and i i do think it's basically a, a country with ptsd and that until people understand that it's going to just keep going because uh yeah it's a cycle of abuse and and just as you know some someone might get abused as a child and then if if not treated will go up will grow up and become an abuser i think that's that's kind of what i was trying to to show
0: well, i think that comes over and i think you know, it's not an excuse but it is a way into understanding um, yeah as you say it just goes on and on and as my point of view i just keep feeling slightly um guilty you know you know because we we take that don't we we don't go around having survivor it's not survivor guilt it's you can't understand you know, like take it personally you know this new thing that um there's some israeli spyware or something that's being misused and i i don't know if you've heard about that but i immediately no. thought. Oh, that's it. It's a trigger word, Israeli, you know, so where where the baddies again. You know? Yeah, that goes to the Jews as well. I'm, I'm constantly feeling like poor Israel is the child I need to defend. So I suppose that's what you were saying in a way. And yet, and there's a big and yet, isn't there? You mentioned child abuse. So this, you seem to have loved the choir, but quite alongside him being a Holocaust survivor and an abuser. Boy, it was like being the strictest boarding school ever,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, it was very, very strict. Yeah, um, I, I, I can definitely say that I, well, I think my love of music and and has definitely come from there, and the fact that I'm still doing music, uh, thirty
0: five years later is. Uh, is is a testament of that but um luckily for us with your voice and your instrumental skills it's a sure good thing you are that's all i can say so, um, so that's part of the the, mass, the massive beauty of this thing you know that's a, so but tell us a bit more about there's you no know, you talk about the regime which was terrifying i was writing notes i could hardly write but, um, in, the, yeah, in the choir but you loved it didn't you, you really loved it
1: well Yeah, I guess definitely mixed feelings, but um, it was a bit cultish, definitely. Um, A lot of the children in in the choir came from broken homes. We rehearsed six times a week um, and we went, we travelled abroad and it was a very kind of... um, you know, a lot of time spent and very, very severe competition between, uh, between the, ch- the kids for solos and everything. I but just... it, it did feel like we were doing the most important thing in the world at the time.
0: How many years and what age were you from when you started to when you finished?
1: I started at age eight. The conductor that I mentioned uh, was asked to resign when I was uh, 12. And then there was another conductor uh, after him, and I stayed uh, till I was 16.
0: Wow! So, that's half a lifetime then, isn't it? From 8 to 16, in fact, when you... When you... Yeah. So
1: then, I mean, um, wow. And I'm... in fact,
0: in the show, I play, um,
1: if you... At the end, there's a bit of a choir singing, yeah. and that's actually my choir, oh. um, and and I had the solo then, so it's actually me, aged like um, thirteen, maybe singing. But unfortunately, uh, I'm not. Al- I'm. I'm. Um, it, it. So we we recorded an album, and it was released on a German record label. But I have no right to use it. Hmm. So, um, That's not fair. <laughs> I, well, so I'm. 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 I'm only telling you that. So um, it won't. I mean that's not an issue. It's just that I I used it anyway because I decided it was my voice and I'm using it.
0: You can't have been doing six days a week for eight years, or were you?
1: Yeah. Well, once the the, the strict conductor left, and mm. um, the next one, uh, it was more like three times a
0: week. So quite a lot. Mm. No yeah, that, yeah, you know, it was. <laughs> I mean, that really is like being at a, a music school, effectively, isn't it? So not not surprising. Well, you have maybe you've got more to be thankful for than, than anything else. But but he did. As far as I can make out his abuse stretched just about everybody, I suppose. Well, actually, it was a mixed choir. Is that right? Have I got that right? Or was it, all uh, we,
1: it was mixed, but it was uh it was maybe we had two boys and about 20, 30 girls.
0: Oh, right. And so it was the girls he went for, presumably by the sound of it. Otherwise, yeah. But <laughs> like, perhaps, perhaps we should not pursue that anymore. But it's there. I mean, it is your a massive extra personal trouble. And so and what, what did your parents make of, of the musical education you were having? I mean, how did they cope with you going six times a week?
1: That's a big um, well, before that, I was a bit unruly. <laughs> um, so I think they were happy that I got um focused mm. um, there is something that actually didn't make it into the final edit of the play, but at one point, my mother went to talk to the conductor on my behalf because he was being quite hard on me, and he told her um, that without the that I'm a very troubled child and without the choir, I would jump out of the fourth floor window. Um, and he got her very nervous, and so show, so they actually felt that the choir was saving me, and I think that's kind of typical for for the way pedophiles sort of work. Um, so so my mother was was grateful, you know, that, that he was uh, there and and that I was busy and that I was passionate about something, um, and she loved the. The music as well.
0: Um, she'd come to the performances and... She'd be so proud. Um, I know what it's like to be proud of a child that can sing. His voice broke, actually, just to tell you. But oh. I do understand what it's like when it's your child doing it. We wondered why our son was in the school choir, because he never sang at home. And we thought, it's a bit weird. He has to go to these early morning small choir practices. He's supposed to be that good. What is this about as a boys' school? I don't understand. It's, like, it's sort of, you <laughs> can hear where I'm going here. And then we went to watch him actually singing and, you know, we, I, I think my hand, I nearly I grasped my husband's hand and I practically made his palm bleed because I could not believe what I was hearing. So I well, I you know, get half a clue how your parents must feel. And then it's, mm. it's the pride that you have in a, a child when you can hear them doing something, it's their thing, it was your thing. So, and they're doing yeah. it. Mm. I think late, later they found
1: you know things I did much more difficult and cringeworthy, and um, and they they've sort of bravely sat through it, and I think they're they're still proud now, but in a very different way, um, and they've definitely had to process a lot, you know, the all the sex stuff and mm. and, the, and the nudity, and um, so yeah, they found that a bit difficult.
0: So um, in the show. It's very just because we are, when we're watching, we're watching the live show on stream, which I think we've all got used to in lockdown, haven't we? Um, but you've got the live audience there, and that does make a big difference, I think. That is a live audience, right, I'm right, but it's quite a small audience? So we filmed
1: it um, thinking that we just I, we just make the documentary oh. and have maybe little bits of it, but then lockdown happened, so... Um, me and chris the filmmaker worked really hard to try to make it more watchable because at first it was it was very interesting to see how something that worked on stage is really really boring to watch on a screen um so i i we added a few extra video bits and also i added more of a soundtrack so in the the streaming version, there's all kinds of like you can hear cars honking. Mm-hmm. And yes, yes. So all that isn't in the show. The show is just me and guitar, and there's one or two audio cues, but other than that, it's just quiet. So yeah. that was an added. <laughs> sorry no, video in the show.
0: Is that what you're saying?
1: No, there is a little bit. Of, so there's there's the video. There's mostly slides that you see on the screen behind me, and there's a little bit of video that comes from the music video of the Edinburgh surprise. And there's the masks at the end with the Chad Gadiah song. Yes. Um, Mm. But we added a few more, like for instance, there's, um, I talk about the bus and then you see a very short clip of people in Israel in the eighties getting on a bus, Mm. Mm. um, which wasn't in the show, but it just felt like the medium of of, um, film needs a bit more, Um, Like it was too monotonous to
0: just watch me on stage all the time. I think I'd like to go on to talk about the other film, but just I'm quite surprised by what you've just told me about the actual nuts and bolts and technical side of that film. So you've now got something that was shot once and you can now use it whenever you want. Which Yeah. I, I would have said it has a future beyond the 7th of August. I mean, I, I presume you're hoping to... I mean, would would it not be possible for you to rent it out? Because it's, very, you know, it's an extraordinary film. Um,
1: yeah, I'd, I mean, I I don't really know what to do with it after
0: that, but um, any ideas would be yeah. great. Um, I, I mean, obviously, it's always going to have to come with that slight warning about the content. But I think it's such an important film to contextualise, as you say, the holocaust, the situation, the, the uneasy relationship. You know, oh, I have to tell you, this I think is very relevant. I once, in the same ship I was talking about when I recorded those Jews themselves, I was doing stories of different people. One was a lovely lesbian girl and one was this fantastic um, Israeli Arab girl. And I went to, to meet her in her hometown. And just before we enjoyed a magnificent hospitality, I think there was a stall selling friends or whatever it was, and I went up to buy something. And when I bought it, I said Todah And I was whisked to one side, don't please speak Hebrew here. You really have. I have to teach. I can't remember what it was now. I have to teach you immediately what thank you is in Arabic. They don't want to hear Hebrew. And that's right in the middle of Israel. Apparently this town is the most central town in Israel. And oh. Remind me what thank you is in in, in Arabic. so I can remember Shukran. Shukran, which I should have known. She said, you should have said Shukran sorry i should have warned you i felt terrible but that mm. is that that's how i mean that's a tiny example but it, that sort of tension's there all the time isn't it strange yeah mm. and yeah but, as you say what i don't know how we get past it's a damage thing as you say totally but you're into trying your own experiences of, of damage and how you got past it but you have haven't you i mean it's part of your story but Yeah. But you're actually using it.
1: Yeah, I love. Um, I I find it really healing to to make work about painful subjects. My next show, i I've just started working on a new one, and it's all about miscarriages Aww. and my and my grandmother's ghost. Um, so it, it's it actually working on it is making my Jerusalem seem like a pretty easy show. Um, but I do find that since. Whatever I'm going through, if I can use it, it makes it, you know, gives it a more it makes it more bearable and it and it it's using it creatively, which, you know, is is good, I think. And I hope that other people feel that way, you know, that there's some some sort of healing element in, in hearing about traumatic events, um, talking about them singing about them.
0: Singing about them particularly, I would say, because you can.
1: But uh, it's, I was actually part of my funding, Arts Council funding for the new show is to um, create a creative writing workshop for women who have gone through this. Um, So I was trying to research it. And uh, in Sheffield, um, I was trying to find groups that might be interested um, and and I was told, so I found all these groups that, ha, you know, help refugees, um, women with pregnancy and whatever. and and I um, I kept mentioning, they, they kept telling me that miscarriage is just something that people don't want to think about and don't want to talk about. and especially in uh, a lot of the women in, in these groups are from Muslim countries and it's considered shameful and it's just something that people, women want to put behind them, and that's
0: it. Um, Then you do need, this a film that's crying out to be made, and it needs to be made by someone who's actually experienced it. Just a very brief word on your Jerusalem. Unless there's something more you wanted to say about my Jerusalem.
1: Yeah, oh, I just wanted to say about my, well, this, connects them to both, I suppose, that when I performed My Jerusalem, um, a bunch of times we had panel debates afterwards, and I invited, you know, people, what one debate we had uh, with, it was two artists that one of them is from a Palestinian background and the other one is from South Africa, and one time we had someone from um, Palestine Solidarity Campaign. And people said that, uh, criticized me that in My Jerusalem, I'm not bringing the Palestinian perspective. Um, And I felt that I'm not Palestinian. So I don't want, I don't feel that I can bring the Palestinian perspective. Um, But for that reason, I wanted to make the documentary. Also, because, so the name My Jerusalem, in the show, it's uh, a quote from this ultra-Orthodox woman on the bus that slaps me and then she says, this is my Jerusalem. But then someone wrote a complaint letter to, to Migration Matters Festival in Sheffield and said, for an Israeli to call their show my Jerusalem is a, um, I've just written it down here, uh, for an Israeli to entitle her play My Jerusalem in itself a, is itself a political statement and one that omits the fact that other another people, namely Palestinians, also lay claim to that city. Um, so for that reason, I called it your Jerusalem because it's not my. I didn't mean for it to be my Jerusalem. I just meant that um, <laughs> it's, you know, this is my experience of Jerusalem. Um, and so i so that's where the idea for the documentary came from and i definitely wanted to give palestinians a voice in it and try and basically that that the jerusalem itself is a place that people have so much um it's i think i wrote somewhere that it's heavily laden with people's projections mm-hmm and so much baggage around, around the concept of it, as well as the place itself. Um, so I guess I just wanted to un- unpack that more in the documentary. And also the fact that I, was, um, I got criticized from both political sides um, in That's the
0: same month. That is very yeah. Jewish and very Israeli and probably very Palestinian, you know. You <laughs> can't get it right, you can't win. Yeah. I think that's what it's called, isn't it? You can't win. <laughs> yeah. But it must be hard. I mean it's brave. I think you're very brave. You know.
1: Thank you. Well, to be honest, uh, I had um what I had I released a song years ago called <laughs> Oh Isabel, which is about the, um it's it's also a song about sexual abuse. <laughs> um and a friend of mine put it in a uh he wanted to help me get views for the video and <laughs> without asking, he put it in a football forum and he wrote, my mate published this song. Um, And then I woke up to horrible comments. Like the worst one was um, this woman needs to be kicked hard up the twat until her vocal cords fall out. Um, But this lasted for a year. Oh, um, oh, I had trolls for a year, and a- everything I released, and I wrote a blog, and everything came with these horrible comments. What, what but in a way,
0: what? Sorry, what year, sorry? what? year was that?
1: Um, I think it was 2013
0: or 14. Well, Maybe yeah, ten. You know, I just feel um, this the my pandemic is. Twitter and all this sort of terrible stuff. I can't bear it, but yeah. I've got so much work. But if you're what you're talking about in 2013 was already terrible then. So,
2: so but,
1: but in a way, I feel like it's given me a really um, thick skin.
0: Yes. Um, okay.
1: and, it, and prepared me for um, what was to come. Because by the time I released the Edinburgh Surprise, I actually went to that friend and said, can you please put this on your football <laughs> forum? and uh, and see what all of your mates think and he did and because and and there weren't that many comments because the fact that i was offering it uh rather than i think they
0: (laughs) i love it absolutely love it you are amazing yeah but you know yes it's quite you've been what can i say you've been hardened in quite a fire haven't you you know what i mean they talk about that don't they right i'm dead impressed so um, one of the things I want to talk about about the other film briefly is that both your parents do appear in it. That You talk about their background, and, you know, And there's a, on your father's side, I think it's a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought what was wonderful was that you asked them what they thought about your film. And they said, I mean, it's brave for them to cope with all that, too, isn't it, actually? Because, you know, you are uncompromising and rather hard hitting. You say it like it is. So it must have be been an interesting. And for you, you're brave to ask them, brave to put it in the film, and they were brave to be in it. So before we talk about anyone else, just, you know, I can say, can I say, I'm most impressed with your parents. So, and... I'm, I'm impressed with them too. I, I thought it was
1: brave of them and, uh, and I was really happy they agreed to do it. Yeah. And it was actually um, not something that we discussed very much in my family. Uh, so the show really kind of brought up a lot of difficult conversations that we needed to have. But I think it was also healing for the family, Mm. at least from definitely me and my parents.
0: Well, that's good, isn't it? And they did have this very important perspective on it as well, because they were representative of some of the, the The, the Jewish histories that you talk about in, in, in my Jerusalem as I say particularly on your, I, yeah. I trying to remember the exact situation that your mother comes from so you, can, you have to, I'm sorry you have to remind me. She
1: grew up in, in, uh, in America um, oh. yeah. and her father was a reform rabbi that kept being um, moving from congregation to congregation every few years so she ended up doing her high school in Mississippi and she was one of the only, I think, one of the, the only Jew in her school. That must have been hard.
2: So, and the same
1: synagogue that my grandfather worked in previously was bombed by the Ku Klux Klan.
0: Because, I like, the fire that you are honed in and your parents is quite extraordinary. There's so much history there. Um, it's, it's great that you are able to tell it. And I can sort of see why they might be able to, you know, to cope with your film. They've, they've, they've got such wonderful, amazing and terrifying history themselves. That's why I say, do, you have yeah. To watch the other film. It's absolutely don't see how you watch one without the other. It really does. Throw out. So and then how did you choose or I mean, you. you are, I was terribly proud to see Rabbi Aaron in the film. And then there were all these people from various backgrounds, and you always say if they're British, where they're from Manchester or wherever, which I thought was interesting. Um, So tell me a little bit about your... Yeah, so
1: some of them, I invited them to the show itself that was in Manchester Jewish Museum. I've got a couple of friends that she's Jewish and very, very active in Manchester-Palestine Solidarity Mm -hmm. Campaign. And her boyfriend is Muslim and, and he is also very active. So they were both there. And then... The, the two artists I was mentioning to you that that Danny, that's half Palestinian and Sarah that's from South Africa. Mm. And then uh, I have another friend there who grew up in in East Berlin. Oh, yes. um, mm. which I didn't expect to have her in it, but she just had some really interesting t- things to say about growing up in a segregated city yes, and you. also about you know, her church raising money for israel and 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 all that, which I thought was interesting.
0: Yes, of course, yeah. it's a massively important dimension as a divided city.
1: And then I've also got, I guess, that for me, the most meaningful encounter there was with this woman, Stephanie, who I hadn't had any contact with in 20 years. Um, she was married to Ziad, who, who died. Um, he was the only Palestinian I spoke to growing up in Israel. He was the only one that we kind of knew and it left a big impression on me that their marriage even though they they argued a lot and they they didn't have a perfect marriage and they got a divorce but the fact that they they tried and and in the 80s as well when you know it was even more unheard of for a jew to marry a palestinian in israel so it was it was really lovely to catch up with her and to show her the film and she had no idea that that she left such an impression on me as
0: a child. Oh yeah, that's um, lovely for her. Yes, yeah, yeah I could see that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you are. As I said it's an important gloss on it, I think. But it, just finally, something completely unrelated. Tell me about you and Indian music.
1: Yeah. Um, so I lived in India for six years, You're between not- the age of 22 and 28 mm-hmm. and I studied a style called Drupad, which is the oldest form of Hindustani music and it's very meditative and I studied it, I loved it. It's, it's all improvised but it's very strict rules mm-hmm. of how to improvise in the rag. Towards the end of my stay I sort of realized that as a singer who isn't Hindu If I was an Indian classical instrumentalist, it would have been maybe easier. But as a singer um, that I wouldn't really be taken seriously there um, as as a foreigner singing, Mm. you know, about Shiva and Krishna and all that, because that's that's what the texts are, but actually is what studying that and, and the fact that it's improvisation caused me to start writing songs um cuz before that i was just doing classical music and the music like lived on the page mm. um i couldn't improvise to save my life i was i was good at sight reading and i and and i just sang other people's music or i did a degree in composition and i wrote wrote music for other people to play um but india kind of merged all that together and so i still i'm actually still taking lessons on zoom with my indian teacher um, it's been like almost twenty years now I that know. we've been, but I I didn't I had a long break, but because of the lockdown okay. we um we started again. Oh, that's so nice. So,
0: the odd good thing that's come out of the lockdown because that sure. Could, would you say that you know, obviously it's given you also? Does there is so the influences are more on where it's pointed you or is there some influence we might read in the music at all? Your music, me, um, very folky Israeli sort of thing, but.
1: Yeah, not maybe not in those songs in that show, but I have other songs that I use the Indian Tanpura, which is a, like a drone instrument, and I, I try to write more in in a rug style. Um, but not yeah, not so much in the guitar based ones.
0: Where did you learn to play the guitar because it's beautifully a guitar thing.
1: Thank you. Um, that was just from our early, quite early on, I, I had um, as a kid. I remember. Actually, this is funny. Um, my we were shomrei Shabbat when I was a, a child, um, yeah. but my my dad was kind of start after his father died. He started questioning it all, and I remember he they bought me my first guitar on Friday afternoon, and he said, "I think maybe this week we can do one thing that's not Shabbos," you know. And I thought he would say, you can play your new guitar. But in fact, he wanted to
0: Hoover. I can't think of anything more opposite. Just in case anyone listening doesn't understand it, obviously, you know, the sixth day, shot thy labor and do thy work. The seventh, the seventh day is your day of rest. You do nothing. You don't even boil a kettle. I don't think so. Yeah. that's what we're talking about, and I just love it because I could feel this beautiful. Thing, Here's your guitar, and you said it was funny, and I thought, what's it going to be? I never. <laughs> what's more opposite than playing the guitar than hoovering? I just incredible. I don't think there's anywhere we can go after that story. Do you? Exactly. <laughs> Oh, thank you. It's been so great to talk to you. It's been an absolute joy, Abital Raz. Thank you for talking to me for Jewish Renaissance. Really lovely to see you again. Can't wait to see you live, actually, even though it's a film. So you will have to keep in touch and there's know no that's
2: Right.
1: Yeah, I will definitely. <laughs>